please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Hello, I'm Greg McIntyre with McIntyre Elder Law, helping seniors protect their assets and legacies. And I've got my trusty legal pad here with me today, and I'm going to project that up on the screen, and we're going to talk about avoiding probate. If you watched last week's video, it was about probating a will or a state administration, and that process from beginning to end. Today, I'm going to talk about avoiding probate, and I'm going to try to illustrate that with this guide, okay? What's that? It's upside down. With this guide. This is something that I made maybe a couple of years ago. I just had a real need to illustrate how deed protection worked, and in the middle is the probate process there. We're going to post this uh, in the comments, so the first comment on the Facebook post Friday at 10 a.m. We'll have this worksheet in there for you to look at or print. If you need a copy, you can always go to our website, mcelderlaw.com, and it will have a, and search it. You can search deed planning, probate avoidance. We'll have it on there, uh, estate planning worksheet, and we'll be, you'll be able to get it there. Or call us, 704-259-7040, and we will get it to you ASAP, okay? So I've got this projected up on the screen. I'm a very visual thinker. Um, when I look at concepts or break down concepts, they really happen kind of logically and visually for me. So that's how I do it. And I'm going to go over this thing here. I'm going to try to do it anyway. There we go. So if we look at this worksheet, I'm going to magnify it, okay? I'm going to magnify the worksheet so you can see it better, Taylor. Okay. And the worksheet's entitled Deep Planning. In hindsight, it should not be because I expanded the entire visual worksheet to include estate planning. And really, it, it, it illustrates probate avoidance techniques, okay? And we'll start with some of those. We'll start with some easy ones. Taylor, what is probate avoidance? Avoiding probate. Avoiding probate. And, and why would we might want to, why may we want to avoid probate? The, the will going down there being opened up uh, or, or a state administration if there's no will and assets being there might be put through the probate process like your house, mm -hmm. money, cars, things like that. Why, is there a chance of losing those things to creditors and... Things in that matter. And how would you lose those things to creditors? Like if you were in a nursing home care and with like Medicaid can attach a lien to the home? That's correct. That, that is one reason, okay? Mm -hmm. That is one reason. Now, we're in really asset protection mode there, okay? But asset protection and probate avoidance overlap. So we could call this episode asset protection also, but probate avoidance does not always protect assets from, from a Medicaid uh, lien. If Medicaid has to come in and pay for long-term care, why is that important? Why is it important as an elder law attorney or as someone who is in their senior years or has parents that are seniors? Why is it important to think about that asset protection when it comes to long-term care? Just 
because you want to, you work so hard for those things and you want to be able to pass them down. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you work hard for, for what you get also, or for what you have. And it can really change the trajectory of a family. You know, the value of a house can send a a grandchild to college. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, or it could be land that's been in the family for years and years and years. Um, also, uh, you know, 70% 70% of seniors, 70% of people over 65 are going to need some type of long-term care during their lives, either in-home, assisted living, or nursing home care. And those are huge numbers, okay? So we want to be prepared. So when we're looking at deed planning, the reason it says that is because that's how it started out for me, and that's what I was thinking. So, let's slow down our speed here What we went over last week was looking at the house or other assets like IRAs, annuities, life insurance policies, 401ks, or beneficiaries. I always think life insurance policies are funny because when I abbreviate them, it spells lips. So it's your life insurance policies, right? And you could put the estate as the beneficiary and it would pass through the will. Your house, if you haven't done deed planning or they're not in trust, it's not in trust, real estate's not in trust, then it would pass through your will. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, money market, checking, savings, CDs, trust. Also, I would add, I'm gonna add something on there. I might go back and amend this. Autos. Autos. That thing moved on me, okay. So automobiles also, okay? Autos should be considered also. And autos would pass through the will to change title, right? If it was in a husband's name to change the title, it would have to pass through the will to go to the wife and if husband passed. Or if it was um, now, you can go to the Department of Motor Vehicles. This, I'll start the probate talk. I'm sorry, probate avoidance talk this way. You can go to the tag office, okay? That's where I would go, the tag office. And there's a one-page form that you can get online. We have it at our office. Or they should have some at the tag office as well where you can now add jointly titled or joint owners with rights of survivorship. It's J-T-W-R-O-S is what they put. They go, so if it goes, if it's not going through the will, then we could pass it directly to a person or people here by adding those people as joint owners with rights to survivorship or as they list it, J-T-W-R-O-S. And I think that means jointly titled with rights of survivorship. Jointly titled with rights of survivorship. And they would type that out right on your title. So when they print a new title for you, Beside your name and say your wife's name, it would say J-T-W-R-O-S. That way, if one of you pass away, there's no retitling of the asset. There's no reason for it to pass through probate. It doesn't go that way. It simply goes directly to the other jointly titled, titled, joint title holder that's written on the title. Now, you might want to add a child Okay? Or a child might want to add themselves to a parent's title. That way, it, there's no way that it goes through probate. 
Here's why that could also be important. And I'll expand this out. So if I go back to the bigger document here. I'll go back to the bigger document. When things pass through probate again, liens can attach. And I don't know if you can zoom in on that, Taylor. I think you can just pick, yeah, you can just do it that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. But liens can attach. Medicaid, creditor liens, Visa, MasterCard, medical bills within one year that are owed, attached in, in this probate process. Probate has a 90-day waiting period for the lien period for liens to come in. The probate involves court proceedings, public versus private. So probate is a public proceeding. Probate avoidance techniques such as trust or simply adding people to title with, as joint owners, that's a private situation. That's not publicly a file down at the courthouse that anybody can go see. It can be costly. There's a $4 per thousand uh, fee for every uh, all the money going into and paid out of the estate, plus any attorney fees and court fees, which include filing and inventory fees. And that's how I visually have this laid out. So it's really a visual guide to how probate works and how probate avoidance works and how lien attachment works, okay? How liens attach and what liens can attach. So if this auto up here, if the car had two names on it and one person passed away, it's automatically just going to belong to that other person, be it a child or another party. So that's a really neat and newer way to pass a car and why that's also important, a person who needs long-term care Medicaid to come in and pay for nursing home or assisted living care, even under the rules of Medicaid for North Carolina, you can still have a car, a house, and $2,000, that's the reserve amount of money, in an account, okay? So the car can still be in mom or dad's name, even if they need nursing home care, and then have a joint title owner of a son, daughter, something like that. And then heaven forbid if mom or dad passes, that automatically belongs to that son or daughter, does not have to pass through any type of probatable process where a Medicaid lien that is owed attaches. We are not, North Carolina is not an expanded recovery state, so Medicaid cannot go out, neither can Visa, MasterCard, medical bills, or any other lien. These liens cannot go outside of probate and attach to deeds can, or, or the car or stocks or anything else. However, stocks, if you own them, would prevent you most likely if you had over $2,000 in them from getting that Medicaid um, benefit to pay for care. However, the car would not. Another point to make, it, there is no limit on the value of that car. That car could be worth, could be a beater worth $2,000. And I'll tell you, I'm a little, I'm a little miffed right now, Taylor. My son got his license in January. Uh -huh. And since then, my <laughs> wife and my son have been hitting each other in the driveway. He scraped her car one time backing out. Don't they have backup cameras? Yes, they do. <laughs> and she's knocked off his mirror one time backing out. Anyway. <laughs> So, it's always something. 
But yeah, the auto, it doesn't matter how much it's worth. It could be a Lamborghini worth $300,000. Doesn't matter, okay? Uh, but one way to avoid probate with that auto is by adding on the title, jointly titled with rights of survivorship. Simple probate avoidance and allowable under those Medicaid rules so it would double as asset protection. So I'm gonna leave that autos up there. You know, I might wanna add that in to, that, uh, to this worksheet. We might wanna revamp the worksheet. Looking at how a lot of people have assets, if we can zoom in on IRAs, annuities, life insurance policies, 401ks, those are beneficiary assets. And I have beneficiary written up there, uh, you know, in bold, all caps. A beneficiary asset, you can name someone to get that property. You could name a trust. You could name a primary beneficiary of, say, a husband or wife, and a secondary beneficiary may be the children. But you want to check and make sure you have your primary and secondary beneficiaries correct. Let me ask you this, Taylor. Mm -hmm. Let's say my wife and I, okay, are still married. Right? Yeah. Pretty sure we will be. Hopefully. <laughs> if she stays with me. And I need nursing home care at my 90s. Mm -hmm. For five years before I pass. Okay. Okay. And during that time, heaven forbid, what if she passed away while I was receiving nursing home care and Medicaid was paying that and I was the beneficiary on an IRA or annuity or 401k of hers or life insurance policy and I got all that money? What would happen to that benefit? that was paying for my nursing home care. It'd be cut off. It'd be cut off immediately, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be cut off actually if I didn't properly spend that money down uh, within the, the same mm -hmm. month that I received it, okay? So it would be cut off. That could be problematic. That's why you need to keep up those things up to date and think about who are your beneficiaries. What if my will passed me a bunch of money as she passed and Medicaid was paying? I'm sorry, her will. What if her will passed me a bunch of money and Medicaid was paying for my care. Same, yeah, thing. same thing. Same thing. So there would be a need to update the will at that point too, right? To divert those assets mm -hmm. away from going to me. Just as a side note. But we want to make sure, we want to think through how our will passes property and how our beneficiary assets pass property. So those are beneficiary assets. And as I show here, I'll use red here. I'll use green because it's a good thing to avoid probate. See this? Following that path? That avoids probate. It just passes directly to the individual who's going to receive it, who you have named as the beneficiary. Or it could be multiple individuals. What about your bank accounts? Is a POD and a TOD a beneficiary to your bank account? POD means payable on death. Mm -hmm. TOD, means, TOD means transferable on death. Yep. And that's simply a beneficiary you can add, and I have that over here. Mm -hmm. I have money market, checking, savings, CDs, if you can zoom in on that. You can now add payable on death beneficiaries to money market account, checking accounts, savings accounts. Some banks will allow you to do that with CDs. But check with your bank to see if you can simply add. Now, Taylor, does that mean that that person is in charge of that no. account? No, it, mean, it doesn't have anything to do with that. That person has no access to the account that you add as the beneficiary. It could be a joint account between husband and wife. 
So when the last one of them pass away, automatically we want that account, right, to go directly to the children. So we make them payable on death beneficiaries. So instead of going through this process, which would take minimum five, six months, minimum, okay, we have it go directly to a beneficiary, a payable on death and transferable on death beneficiary, mm -hmm. and avoid probate. That's a nice free, everything I've told so far, said so far, is free to do. Now, there might be a small fee for adding the joint, jointly titled owner with rights of survivorship to the audit, but the bank is free to do that. Your, your life insurance, IRA, annuities, 401ks, it's free to do that. And that's probate avoidance. You know, I have people meet with me all the time that say, hey, I need a trust. I only want to talk about trust. But by the time we look at the character of their assets, we find out the majority of what they have are in IRAs, pre-tax money. Those, those cannot go into trust. They can't be held in trust. So, you know, a trust is not what they need, but they're pleased to know that they can avoid probate altogether by simply making sure their beneficiaries are correct once they understand what probate is and how that works. And visually laying it out for me helps me understand that very well. So let's talk about regular stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Investments, investment assets. So, you know, you can go buy Walmart stock. You can go buy uh, Microsoft stock. You can buy Duke Energy stock. Um, you can buy bonds, you can buy mutual funds, so other people, you know, invest that money for you, and it's kind of a mix, but that is titled in an individual's name. If that individual passes away, the only way to pass that property is through the will, okay? Only way to pass that property. So that, that property could be protected or owned by a trust, Okay? could be owned by a trust. And I believe we're gonna talk about trust coming up in a future show, aren't we? Mm-hmm, we sure are. Okay. Yes, we are, in our next show. Our next show, we're gonna break down trust. I have one or two, all right? You know, so I'm talking about, is it irrevocable or revocable? Is it a living trust? What kind of trust is it? So I'm gonna break down different types of trust. And I'm going to say Trust Simply Explained, okay, is going to be the name of that show. And that's going to be part three of our six-part informational series on trust. But short story, a stock, bond, or mutual fund can be owned by a trust. And a trust can explain exactly what happens to that property. A trust could also own the house, okay? It could own... Any of any property up here except for IRAs that aren't Roth IRAs because that's post-tax money. So traditional IRAs, annuities, life insurance policies, or 401ks um, cannot own pre-tax funds, okay? Not sure about the life insurance policy, but I know the IRA, annuity, or 401k, okay? Can't place those in trust, all right? And we will explain trust next week and how... The big thing with trust is people have a misconception as to whether it protects them from that long-term care Medicaid situation and protects their money. If it's revocable, it doesn't. We'll get into why that is, okay? So, trust can be used 
to pass property immediately when someone passes away. Trust are private documents, not public. And you have beneficiaries on trust. That could be the kids when the last one of husband and wife passes away. And you could, instead of giving specific distributions, you could say, I want to pay for my grandchild's college or set a certain amount of money aside. And I want to make sure it's, you know, that it's paid for each year until maybe that person reaches 25. And then at 25, we start distributing some of the principal of the trust to be finally distributed each year until they turn 30 or 35, right? Over a number of years. You can do a lot of neat planning with trust. So we've talked about a number of different ways to avoid probate. Trust also allows, if you look at trust here, flexibility, control, and options. Really not a lot of limits to the options a trust can provide for the planner. So it gives you unlimited, almost unlimited, well, they're limited, but a lot of options, okay? You could put a home in a trust, and there's reasons you might want to do that. We'll get into that next week, too. If you put a home in an irrevocable trust, which this illustrates, you might want to sell that home, even if it's within a look-back period, or let's say Medicaid's paying for my nursing home care, my wife's healthy, she wants to sell the house, we have an irrevocable trust, my son, my oldest son is the trustee, he can sell the house within the trust and the money stays in the trust for the sale of the house and it doesn't affect my benefit. That is an option. And then we could choose to go to probate avoidance with the house or any other property by using a life estate deed. A traditional life estate deed locks in who gets the property. Could be you and your wife have the property for the rest of your life, and then when you pass, it automatically goes to the kids. And also, it would lock in, it would prevent someone from moving the property entirely without everyone agreeing, okay? Without everyone, say the children, for instance, agreeing to sell that property, okay? Which is a good thing in some situations if there's some fear there of um, a parent being taken advantage of because of any dementia, Alzheimer's, something going on, okay? Also, it starts the clock ticking, if you will, for any look-back period. Three years for assisted living, five years for nursing home Medicaid, um, it would start that clock ticking. And that could be applied to any property, okay? The home, it could be applied to, it's a plan ahead tool because it isn't immediately effective and protected. It could apply to some land separate from the house, any piece of property. Or we could use a ladybird deed. And a ladybird deed would still keep that property in the owner's name for life, very similar to a life estate deed, but the way it's written, it complies with North Carolina policy that allows a ladybird deed to protect the home and any surrounding property up to a value of $548,000 and change, okay? It's close to $550,000. And any surrounding contiguous property around the house that the house sits on, 
That's what it's for. It's meant to protect the primary residence, keep it out of reach of a Medicaid recovery, because remember, a Medicaid lien or any other lien can't go outside of the probate estate, right? This is the probate estate. Can't go outside of that to recover a lien. So that's very important. And Medicaid has allowed the Department of Health and Human Services, attorney, the pass down through the Attorney General, has a, allowed that by policy in North Carolina. And then if that, that person passes away, automatically it goes to the kids, for instance, okay? Or when the last one of husband and wife pass away. In that five-year and three-year look-back period, so when we look at the look-back, we're talking about asset protection from a long-term care situation where Medicaid comes in and pays. It doesn't matter. You could put one on today and access the benefit tomorrow if you otherwise met and qualified for it. So that would be using a ladybird deed. I like Ladybird deeds a lot. They've saved a lot of property in this county and other counties in North Carolina and in other states where they're allowed. And I think North Carolina is doing a great job of being senior friendly and respecting home places of seniors and their families. Who, you know, They may have worked 30, 40, 50 years to pay for a piece of property or a home their entire career, raised kids in that house, and now they're going to lose it because of the healthcare situation and healthcare benefit they had to access their tax dollars went to pay for, such as Medicaid. So I think lady bird deeds are great things. I think avoiding probate is a great thing. Now, there may be some situations where we don't want to avoid probate, okay? Where we want to make sure that we use the will to properly pass assets, where there's plenty of long-term care insurance and assets, and we're not worried about that long-term care Medicaid situation, and we're going to use the will, okay? But I look at the will mainly as an insurance policy to ensure that whatever doesn't pass outside of the will in other ways is going to pass through the will and the will is going to get it where it needs to go, okay? But I, but I did not write this worksheet to inspire people to use the will. I wrote this worksheet and I drafted or drew this worksheet to inspire people or to show people how simple it can be to avoid probate at a, at a high level, okay, just overview. And when you drill down to these trusts and these deeds, you know, it can get complicated. But that's what the attorney's for. And I would suggest you consult an estate planning and or elder law attorney before implementing any of these strategies, okay? So that is probate avoidance in a nutshell. I wanted to go over each one of those things, and I appreciate you watching. This is the second video in a six-part series that we're doing um, on different legal issues involving estate planning and, uh, and elder law and asset protection and long-term care. Um, making sure that people can access proper benefits. So stay tuned for next week. This one's going to air, uh, you know, we'll see at 10 o'clock next week for the trust episode. And thank you so much for watching and have a great day. And 
Taylor, how can people contact us if they need to contact us? They can call us at 704-259-7040 or they can go on our website, mcelderlaw.com. That's right. That's right. Just give us a call, 704-259-7040 or online, mcelderlaw.com. That's a great place to sign up for our e-newsletter that goes out regularly on different topics. And they and can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Facebook because everything is put up on mm -hmm. Facebook as well. So just go on Facebook and search McIntyre Elder Law. You'll see the logo, the tree, and the blue. And uh, click on it and like our page, please. And then that will show me some appreciation a little bit. I appreciate that. We definitely want to um, want to please our audience and want to know that we're doing a good job. And, uh, and that way you'll see everything that we put out. So you can look at our employees. You can look at all kinds of different informational videos. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Life is busy, we all know. We put off planning till things get slow. Tomorrow's never promised today. Don't get too busy and let it all slip away. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Foundational planning or more complex. We can help when you're perplexed. If a loved one needs long-term care, we can help avoid some of the scare. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Estate planning benefits and even probate. We take the planning piece off your plate. If you or your spouse were in the military, we can help with benefits for your family. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law.